0: Always a pain to take this thing off, but I'm glad I don't have to wear it when I'm teaching. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your word, the power that it has to change our lives. And uh, so, Lord, this morning we pray that you would anoint me, that I might speak your word in power and truth. And I pray, Lord, for uh, all the people listening in their homes, Lord, I pray that you would uh, anoint their ears so that they might hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Uh, Father, we pray that you would open your your word to us, for we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, the story is told of a, a couple of uh, horsemen that were ri- riding over a rugged mountain range. And as they came to a large, swift-flowing river, the older, more experienced guy, he says to the younger guy, now, when you get to the deepest part of the river, make sure you don't look down at the water, right or left or, or anything, because it's going to make you dizzy, and uh, you're going to lose your balance. You might fall off your horse. Uh, And and then the younger guy was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the older guy goes, no, listen, when you get to the middle of the river, you look at that rock over there and that'll give you a good guidance. Look at the rock, okay, okay. So they started crossing the river and they get down into the middle and the deepest part, and uh, the young guy gets nervous, you know, he sees the swirling water, he's looking down at it, and he's starting to become dizzy-headed, and and feels like he's going to fall out of the saddle. And the older man looks back, and he, he goes, look at the rock! Look at the rock! And the young guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, they make it safely across. And in many ways, this story parallels uh, the Israelis wandering in the desert, focusing on their hunger and their thirst— uh, rather than the great deliverer and their, their provider. Um, and so just like these, this young man, focusing on the problem right at hand instead of focusing on his destination and where he's going. Uh, and let me tell you, when you're in the desert, it's a lot easier to focus on hunger and thirst than it is on the deliverer and the provider. Um, and So uh, I don't know if, if you're afraid of heights, uh but uh you know this to be true you can only think of how far down it is if when you're up on somewhere really high uh and the old adage don't look down doesn't really work (laughs) i mean i've tried it i've tried not looking down it's like my eyes are hardwired to look down i'm gonna look down no matter what you say to me (laughs) it's it's just the way we are uh of course um what i've experienced and i've I've had many sky high experiences and uh, i do have some fear when i'm up there it's it's kind of an unusual feeling for me Uh, but i do have it and uh, but what what i realize is when people say don't look down what's happening is your mind is automatically doing what you're told not to do right and your focus is in the wrong place it's on how high up you are and how far away the ground is what I have learned to do is to focus on what's immediately around me. Focus on what I'm holding. What am I stepping on? Where am I moving? What am I going to do next? And just focus on the immediate right around me. So rather than focus on what I'm not supposed to do, I focus on what I'm supposed to do. What am I supposed to be holding on to? Only one free limb at a time. And then it takes a few minutes. And within a few minutes of focusing on what I'm actually doing, what I'm actually holding on, all the fear goes away. And so this is what we ought to do in this life we need to focus on our rock our savior jesus christ Uh, the bible says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not along with him give us all things i love this verse i mean it's just like hey god sacrificed jesus christ for you don't you think That he's going to see you through your, your petty little problems that you have this day or that day or even the big problems. Don't you think that the guy who offered up his own son to spare your life is going to help you along the way? I don't think he's just going to leave you hanging there. It's just not the way he is. And so this is where our focus ought to be it ought to be on our great savior don't now we don't need to throw caution to the wind i know we're in the middle of a pandemic and sometimes we you know we get focused on the wrong things you know we get focused on you know what is the government doing are they lying to us what's big pharma doing you know is uh, you know all this kind of stuff um and and certainly, We shouldn't throw caution to the wind we should wear our masks and use sanitizer and keep our hands washed and keep our distance but don't get swallowed by that our focus is on the one who didn't spare his own son for us our focus is on the one who graciously gave us all things hallelujah that's where our focus ought to be And so this morning, once again, we're going to draw from the wilderness experiences of the Israelites. We've been following their stories since they left Egypt and and headed out into the wilderness, uh, chapter 14 of Exodus. And so this morning, we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 17, which says that the whole Israelite community was leaving the desert of sin. They're traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded them, and they end up in Rephidim. Uh, But it says, there's no water there. And so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses is like, why are you quarreling with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water. And they grumbled against Moses and they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt just to take us out here into the desert for us and our livestock to die of thirst? I'm telling you, it was the same old, same old. Same thing we talked about last week. Grum, they didn't seem to learn. But their focus was where? On the problem. They were focusing on their hunger and their thirst. Um, and finally, Moses cries out to the Lord, What am I supposed to do to these, with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And God graciously answers Moses, uh, go out in front of the people. Take, that, take with you some of the elders of the children of Israel and the staff. You know that staff that you used on the Nile River? Take that with you. And I will stand before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out for you and the people to drink. So Moses did that in the sight of all the people. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the israelites quarreled and because they tested the lord saying is the lord among us or not now i'd like you, you to notice if we back up to verse six again um, in, in these words i will stand there before you this is the lord jehovah saying to moses i'm going to be by you right there at the rock and you strike that thing and i'm going to make water flow out for us. Now our natural inclination is to focus on the rock, thinking that this physical rock produced water flowing out of it. But my friends, it's the wrong focus. The focus is not on the rock. It's the wrong rock really. It's the one who's standing on the rock who is the rock. I know it sounds weird, but that's the truth. You see, God was the provider of water. God is the spiritual rock providing Water, not the physical rock. Sure, water came out of the physical rock, but God was the real provider. I hope you're following. Uh, now, I stress this distinction because if we get too focused on the physical rock, we will really get confused by what Paul says about this experience in the New Testament where the apostle says to the Corinthian church and that the Israelites, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was christ now what does that really mean that they drank from the same spiritual drink that they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them that rock was christ that sounds kind of weird like there was a rock accompanying them i mean we know that Paul is referring to Exodus chapter 17, chapter 16 and 17. And we just talked about the manna last week. That's the spiritual food Paul is obviously talking about. And this water coming from the rock, it's obviously the spiritual drink. But the confusing part is when you start talking about a rock that accompanied them, you kind of like, rock that accompanied them? Was there some rock following the Israelites around the desert? Like, What? What, what is this rock that accompanied them? The, the Bible doesn't say anything about a rock following the, the Israelites around that accompanied them. Does it? Uh, there's certainly no mention in the Bible of a physical rock following the Israelites around the desert. But later, rabbinical teaching, we have centuries after the New Testament was written, do describe and suggest that there was this rock that actually followed the Israelites around in the desert. Now, is Paul referring to this fable? Could this fable have been the in existence in Paul's day? Well, many people suggest that that's exactly what's going on. But I would suggest that there's something a whole lot more plausible that comes directly from the Bible than from some rabb- rabbinical teaching that may or may not have been around in the first century. So let's examine 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 for a moment. Does it say that a rock accompanied the Israelites? Or does it say a spiritual rock accompanied the Israelites? There's a big difference between those two things. Uh, A spiritual rock. Well, Does the Bible talk about a spiritual rock accompanying the Israelites in the desert? It most certainly does. Uh, Grab your Bible for a minute, and we'll turn to... to, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. Well, you turn to it. I, I've already got it written out. So, <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 23 says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just a faithful God who does no wrong, upright is and just is he. This is from Deuteronomy. This is Moses teaching the Israelites a song about God. And he calls in this this song, he calls God my rock or our rock or the rock multiple times, over and over again. The whole psalm really talks about rock a lot. (laughs) And uh, so... When we see this, we kind of go like, okay, so like verse 15 says, which means the upright one, grew fat and kicked, filled with food. He became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock, their savior. Clearly talking about God again. Verse 17 and 18 says, they sacrificed to false gods, which were not God. Gods they had not known, but gods that recently appeared gods that your ancestors did not fear you deserted the rock who fathered you and forgot the god who gave you birth i forgot failed to mention the first verse that talked about god as rock it's actually it appears that it's calling him that it's his name the rock is the name of the lord verse 30 how could one man chase a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up. What an interesting thing. So it wasn't a a physical rock that accompanied the Israelites in the wilderness. It was a spiritual rock. And so in calling it a spiritual rock that accompanied them, it's connected with this fact that God was their rock. And he accompanied them. And I think it's safe to say that Paul is simply using a, a play on words here in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, using the existing title of God as the rock to point out that it was actually the divine Lord Jesus who was there with the Israelites in the desert. He was the rock of Deuteronomy chapter 32. That was Jesus Christ, actually. Uh, and the one who provided them was spiritual drink. Sure, it's a play on words but not some weird mystic fable that Paul is referring to here. He's merely pointing out that Jesus Christ is our rock and that Jesus Christ is the provider of spiritual drink. And so Jesus is the rock of ages, who being smitten in his death and suffering, poured out his life in order that streams of living water might flow into the world. And so there's this real huge connect between uh, the story of the israelites in the desert and the story of christians in their walk with jesus christ these two things are connected and we see the parallels all over the place and so we want to look at what does it mean that jesus is the rock well 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than what has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. So in this regard, Jesus Christ is the foundation rock on which a person builds a life uh, for themselves. A, a, a well-built life is built on a solid foundation, not a foundation like, oh, good health. Some people follow this, you know, like they're doing everything to get good health. It's not, not a great foundation to build it on. Uh, Not commerce, you know, making financial success. You know, that's not a great, solid foundation to build your life on. Some people use politics. Others, you know, they're so infatuated and in love with their spouse. And that's what they build their life upon. Uh, The solid, well-built life is solidly based on Jesus Christ. Matthew, yeah, Matthew recounts Jesus saying, talking about uh, people who hear what Jesus teaches, um, and Jesus says, you know, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who built his house on a rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but nothing could move it. It wouldn't fall over because it was founded on the rock. And then Jesus went on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine but doesn't put them into practice, he's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the winds came and the winds blew and the floods came and the winds blew against the house and the house falls with a great crash. And he says, so you have to make up your mind. Are you gonna build your life on my words as a solid foundation? Are you going to build your life on me or not? As you all know, I love to build. and I'm building a a cottage right now in Quebec. And uh, I I remember this lesson I learned when I first worked for an experienced framer. And that was to never use a level. You know, a level that you check whether walls are straight up and down and things are level and stuff. He says, no, when you're framing, don't use that. That will mess you up every time. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Don't you want to make sure your walls are straight? And he's like, no. You First, you just make sure your foundation is absolutely perfectly flat. And then you just build square walls. You stick them all perpendicular to one another. And th- when you get it all done, it's going to be perfectly straight and perfectly plumb. And so when uh, when we're building the cottage in, uh, in uh, La Pêche with George, George... I was so happy that George was there laying out the foundation for this place. He knows what he's doing, and he's a perfectionist, and he got that that, uh, foundation absolutely perfectly level. And so when I was building on that, I had no worries that my house would be crooked. It wasn't going to be crooked because I knew how to frame straight so long as that foundation was good, and he made it perfect. And so the same goes for our lives. You want to have a life that's solid and square and precise, build it on Jesus Christ. It's going to be sound. But if you have some other rickety uh, foundation that you're trying to build your life on, it's not going to work. It's going to crash at some point. Peter quotes Isaiah saying, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, Chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame ephesians two twenty says build on the foundation of the built that 's the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone and psalm one eighteen twenty two says the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone well what 's a cornerstone? Well, in the old days where they didn't have concrete to pour. They would actually put down a big stone in the corner of the building, one that wouldn't move, even if you, you know, drove a horse into it. It was going to stay there. And then from that stone, they would measure off all the other parts of the building. They would set up everything according to that stone. And, um, and so it is with our lives. If we want to line up everything with Jesus Christ, so our speech, our business dealings our our way of building a family way of raising children we line that all up with Jesus Christ the cornerstone i'm telling you it's going to be a wonderful life it's going to be a fulfilled life that will not crumble when the disasters happening you know i was talking with a friend a friend came to visit me this week at the cottage and we got to talking and we it turned to you know whether i should have insurance on the cottage which i don't have and he's like oh yeah you don't need insurance i, I didn't have insurance either on in my house and and uh you know like you know it's just stuff he says if the lord takes it away it's just stuff big deal it's no big deal and i'm like whoa that's what i'm talking about someone who's Uh, foundation is Jesus Christ he is not worried about whether his stuff disappears or what Uh, now I know with this guy it's not just words you see he's gone through storms in his life real storm that are worse than your house burning down And you're like what really yeah you see this guy's wife cheated on him and then left him but his life remains solid even though that happened to him and he his life didn't crumble or fall apart and he stayed focused on jesus christ he had built his life on christ and he stayed focused on him and then another absolute tragedy happened in his life his eldest son was killed in the head-on collision oh my goodness that's got to be one of the worst things that could ha- possibly happen to somebody um but i was there at the funeral for his son who died in the prime of life and this man gave a testimony at that that funeral and he gave the most convincing powerful testimony of god's grace and god's faithfulness i have ever heard in my entire life and i actually felt badly for the pastor who had up after him to give the message because there was nothing left to say this man was trusting on the solid foundation of christ even in the midst of these devastating storms of life and if you know this man today you would say this guy is the most serene collected man i know he is so amazing I've never heard this man complain, ever. Now, maybe he's complained. I don't know. He's not perfect, I'm sure. But I've never seen any bitterness in this man's life. No complaining. It's absolutely miraculous that God has given this man a life of joy and and smiles. I'm sure he has pain in his heart many times. But he's got a solid foundation. There are giants of the faith that walk among us. Little known to us. Jesus is our rock, a sure foundation. But God is also described in the Bible as the rock of shelter, some a place to run to to hide from the storm. Uh, for instance, Isaiah says, The king will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert. We're going to get to that part. Uh, it seems like these rocks and streams are connected for some reason. And the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. And there's dozens of other passages throughout the Bible that describe God as our rock or a cleft in a rock in which we can find shelter. Now, maybe you think that rock, rock's not a very good shelter, you know? But this week, there was a snake that was bothering me while I was doing work at the cottage. And uh, so I was trying to get rid of it. And, you know, I'd step on its tail and try to get it to scam. And it wouldn't. It went into this rock wall that I had built, and then it was just hiding in there, and it would come out and bug me every once in a while. (laughs) I'm like, I'd built this rock pile with a small crane I had made, so... I couldn't move the rocks i couldn't get at the snake he was completely protected from me and i couldn't harm him at all um so the psalmist says be a rock of refuge for me a strong fortress to save me and it's kind of like the rock badgers of colorado the rock badgers are gray the color of the rocks as long as the rock badger is on a rock sending itself it's almost impossible to attack it because as soon as a predator comes it scampers under the rock um and if a vulture or eagle comes same thing they can't knock down these rocks to get at the badger the badger knows where to take refuge And that's the kind of idea that this god is a refuge when we get into trouble we run to him my security is in the rock the hope of my survival is in the rock i dare not wander too far from the rock Rock of ages, cleft from me, let me hide myself in thee. Amen. I mean, I've done that myself when I was in personal agony, went to the rock, hid myself there. I may not know what the future brings, but I know who holds the future. We're living in unpredictable times. But the Lord my God, my rock, is my shelter and defense. God is a refuge and an ever-present help in trouble don't forget that that's psalm 46 sorry ever-present help in trouble it's not that god says oh i'm not going to give you any trouble it's not that you know spouses won't leave you it's not that children won't die no in the trouble he's going to be an ever-present help and i found that to be true Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar with foam and the mountains quake with their surging. No matter what craziness is happening, we're standing on a rock. Now, Jesus is this rock, and we've noticed that he's the rock of foundation. He's the rock of of um the, he's the cornerstone to build to line up your life with and he's the the rock in which we can take shelter but you know what the bible describes him one other way as a stumbling block <laughs> completely the opposite of what we've been talking about the bible says that behold i'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame you see the Jews, they look for miraculous signs and the Greeks are looking for wisdom. But God gave Jesus Christ the crucified one. And people just stumble over this. They just go like, "Well, oh, that just doesn't make any sense. Why would God do that? And, and the gospel is something complicated. It's like, don't we have to earn God's uh, love and appreciation? No, the gospel says Jesus Christ did it all for us. Stumbling over something... Have you ever stumbled over something? Here's a little video of me stumbling over something in the middle of the darkness. Uh, Now, it's pitch black in the room, but the camera picks it up. (laughs) There you go. I told that I'd show that someday, and today was the day. (laughs) People stumble over the rock of Jesus Christ, and it messes up their life. I, I was sharing the gospel with someone just the other day. And I, I said to them, after I shared the gospel, is that now you are responsible for what you've heard. Before this, if you died, maybe God would have mercy on you. But now you know the truth, and now you need to follow this. And so we can people still stumble over the gospel. And they, when they don't accept it, they're just like me looking like a drunken sailor you know just (laughs) crashing (laughs) Uh, anyways moving on jesus is that rock but when paul says that jesus is that rock he's also saying that jesus is the provider of spiritual drink jesus is a rock but he's also the giver of the water of life like moses so when Moses struck the rock, Jesus also would be struck to become a provision. And Jesus himself said, he said that he would offer living water that would quench our thirst. Remember, Jesus was at this big meeting, big fancy fair going on, and he cries out in a loud voice, If anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this is he said this about the Holy Spirit that was to come, and believers were going to receive. Uh, but at this time, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given because Jesus hadn't yet been glorified. But there was coming a day... When Jesus was going to pour out this river on his disciples, that day came on the day of Pentecost. Uh, you know, G- John said that G- he would, he baptized with water, but when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's going to be amazing. And you're going to be fired up preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel to everybody. It's going to be amazing do you remember what the what jesus said to the woman at the well if you knew the gift of god and who it is that is talking to you you would say to him give me a drink and he would give you living water and this poor woman she's like what she's completely confused uh you got nothing to draw water with uh the well's kind of deep how are you going to give us this living water do you think you're better than our father jacob like really you really think so uh every and uh he gave, and she says, he gave us this well and himself and his son's drink out of it and his livestock. And Jesus says to her, well, everyone who drinks this water, they're going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give, they'll never be thirsty again. The water I give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And of course, the woman's still confused. and She says, well, give me this water so I don't have to be thirsty and come here to draw water all the time. I didn't quite get it yet. Jesus is talking on a spiritual level. He's talking about this fact that that when we believe in him, he gives us the Holy Spirit and it becomes this natural life-giving water that bubbles up from within inside us and just gives life to our life. We become different people because we have the Spirit bubbling out of us. You know, when, when the Bible talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those great amazing things, part of the, the Spirit. You know, when He gives us the, the water of life, that Spirit just bubbles up in us and creates a whole new fountain of life coming from within. It's amazing. You know, I was watching this video this week of, uh, uh, Ron and, uh, I forget his wife's name. Ron and Carol Richardson. They're the ones who wrote The Peace Child. Amazing story about reaching out to this tribe in Papua New Guinea. And, um, then, 50 years after they translated the Bible into that language and uh, shared the gospel with those people, and they were gloriously saved. Now, you have to realize that these were headhunter cannibals, okay? They would go around to the next tribe and and kill someone, bring them back, and eat them. I mean, these were very primitive people with fear and hatred ruling their lives. And when Ron and Carol got there, they shared the gospel couldn't make a breakthrough. Finally, um, they were going to leave, and the tribesmen said, no, don't leave, don't leave. And they said, well, we we can't minister to you when when you keep killing your neighborhood tribe and when there's warfare between you all the time. And they said, okay, we'll make peace, we'll make peace. And of course, the way they made peace was bringing a a little child from their village and exchanging it with a newborn baby from the other village so that each one would have a warrior growing up among them from the other village and that's the way they made peace and of course they use this as an example of how jesus christ was god's peace child he made peace with us and you know what i find amazing is that those tribal people received the power of god they were converted miraculously and don and carol left and then return 50 years later 50 years they had no idea no communication with this tribe they're way out in the bush and they land probably brought in by maf pilot dropped them there and they got word ahead that they were coming and wouldn't you know it there is not one tribe there where they land there are five tribes from that whole district of Papua New Guinea that are lined up there to welcome the missionary that brought them life. You see, the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit flowed into this tribe's life, and it flowed from them to the other neighboring tribes, and all the warring tribes of that whole area were converted. It's not because some great grand missionary went there. No, this was the life-giving power of the Spirit moving through these people to all of their neighbors. This is what the Bible is talking about when it says that there'll be a river of life flowing out of you. It comes from Jesus Christ, our rock, the one who provides us with this life-giving water. It's the power of the Spirit to change people's hearts. And now, the the testimonies of these ex-cannibals are we can't we believe in such security and peace and we have peace with one another and we have peace with god and god has done an amazing work in our land and we are so thankful for god and you're just like this is amazing it's so cool so what about you you have streams of living water coming out of you it comes from your rock let's bow in prayer Father, we come before you today, and we thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our rock, on whom we can build a life that weathers the most treacherous and disastrous storms. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you once again, and we just ask, Lord, that you would give us that security, that you would give us that peace that comes when our lives are based on you. We ask, Lord, that you would create in us, refresh those streams of living water. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit now. May we be uh, witnessing to our neighbors and our friends and our colleagues, Lord, of the great love and power of our Savior. Father, we just ask that you would make us a conduit of your love and the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.